Welcome to the Behind the Bliss podcast, where Rachel Autry brings weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast is made possible by our generous patrons. We seriously cannot do this without you all. If you love our show and would want to join our patrons, head over to BehindTheBlissPodcast.com and click Give, or head to Patreon.com slash BehindTheBliss. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. Today's episode is all about friendship. One of my favorite episodes that's already been published was with Kelly Needham when we had a conversation about biblical friendship. What is biblical friendship? What does the Bible even have to say about it in the first place? We had an amazing conversation about expectation and relationships, how to tell between a healthy versus an unhealthy relationship with a friend, and so much more. So if you're craving some golden nuggets when it comes to friendship, what the Bible has to say about it, then episode 68 with Kelly Needham is a great place to start. This episode today, however, is also about friendship, a completely different type of conversation where we sit down with two friends, Aaron and Liz, that walked through incredibly hard times together as friends. They share their story about what they have to bring to the table, what their mess looked like, the mess they're currently walking in and have walked through, and how do you keep friendship in the midst of it all? Aaron and Liz are great friends with Heather Lee Brammer, who was also on the show in episode 64 when she talked all about overcoming fear when anxiety seems super overwhelming. Aaron, Liz, and Heather Lee call each other the wolf pack. They've been together from almost the very beginning, so they all know each other in a very wholesome way. If you've listened to Heather Lee's episode, then you know her life has not been easy. There was a season in her life when fear was literally crippling her. In episode 64, she talks about surviving a shooting, what that fear did for her, and how her friends walked her through it. So to have a full circle moment where we're able to now talk with Liz and Erin about this season of her life, but then also seasons of their own when they needed friendship the most, is so much fun. So Erin and Liz are here to share their hardships, how friends walked them through it, the need for community and vulnerability, letting those close people in on your mess to speak into you with truth, encouragement, and affirmation. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Aaron Davis and Liz McCary. Hey ladies, welcome to Behind the Bliss. Hi. Hi. Super excited to have you guys. This is one of the first times that we've had two BFFs recording in person together, I'm pretty sure. So this is really fun. Oh, nice. We're excited. Thanks for having us. I'm so pumped too. Y'all have quite interesting stories. And Liz actually recommended you guys and Heatherly, who was on our show a few weeks ago. She recommended you guys as guests. It's so fun. <laughs> she sure did. That's about how this friendship works. <laughs> yeah. Drives and lets me know where to go. Liz, you're like the go-getter, you know, come on guys, we're gonna go have fun, have an adventure, and everyone kind of follows. Is that how normally it That's goes? That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that has to be explained it the same way too. So um it's about right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for people that don't know who Aaron and Liz are. Would you just give us a little short spiel and backstory of 
who you guys are and what you're up to? Yes. Okay. I'm Erin and I'm 33. I live here in Columbia with my husband and little boy. I'm a stay-at-home mom and just do, I'm loving the day-to-day with my little son named Bowen. And yeah, so Liz and I are best friends. Uh, We met through our friend Heatherly that you had on here uh, recently and we've, I don't know, know each other for how long? Like over 10 years. Yeah. Like over a decade. Yeah. It's crazy. Liz described it as the original wolf pack. Yeah. <laughs> we are the wolf pack. We are. It's, it's crazy to think you've known someone that long and we have been able to do a lot of fun things together, having known each other, like been in college together. We know each other through our crazy college days to being married, being at each other's weddings and kids and all of that. We've even worked together. She um, worked at one point where I work. So um, you get to do all those things as best friends. So I'll tell a little bit about me. Sorry, we jumped right in. But (laughs) here we go. So I'm Liz. I was born in Atlanta and came over um, to Columbia for the University of South Carolina and went to um, business school there, graduated and just fell in love with um, Columbia and what it had to offer and met my husband here. So I live in Columbia um, and we have a sweet little chocolate lab. Little is probably not the right word, but I think he's little. (laughs) um, He is our fur baby. And um, I also work full time. I do marketing for a commercial real estate company here in Columbia, but we have offices across the state. So that's takes up a lot of my time. <laughs> yeah, I bet. We're just traveling and back and fro, to and fro. Do you listen to podcasts or music when you travel? I feel like there's one of two people. Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> Did Behind the Bliss make the list? Yes, it's on the list for sure. That's how <laughs> I came across you. And it's funny, Erin and I just last Friday did a road trip together and she was like, I just don't know what music to listen to. And I go, I don't ever listen to music. I need people talking to me. (laughs) Yeah. You feel like you have company in the car, which helps a ton with it passing by. I get sick of songs too, really quickly. And so I'll like listen to it four or five times and be over it. So podcasts are very fun because you can listen to the same person, just different conversations. And I, yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah. Love it. Okay, so you guys have been the Wolf Pack, been BFFs <laughs> for like 10 plus years. Yeah. And now you guys have all grown up, have families, you have either a spouse or a dog or children, and just life looks a lot different than those 10 oh years gosh. ago, right? So <laughs> <different>. <laughs> Let me tell you. So <laughs> I lived out of a suitcase and I had a mattress on her floor. That was moving in. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> she has taken you at your best and your worst in all circumstances. There you go. Yes. That's a good friend. That's a good friend. Yes. So Liz was kind to share a little bit about your stories and just things that y'all have going on at the moment. Um, of course, Heatherly and her story was amazing. And we had her on a few weeks ago, like we keep saying. So if you haven't listened to that yet, listeners, totally tune in because it is one of the best conversations about fear and healing and all the things. So Definitely do that. Were y'all proud of her? Have you guys listened to that podcast episode yet? Yes. I think it's crazy each time to listen to that as her best friends and listen to her tell her story. Like we knew in that moment we were experiencing something miraculous, but each time you hear her story, it gives me goosebumps and just love. (laughs) I cry every single time. Yeah. Takes us back. Yeah. For your 
conversation today, I kind of want to just dive into what does friendship look like when friendship in life gets hard and when seasons come and go and when trials happen and appear. I mean, that I feel like is when friendships get tested or that's kind of your make it or break it. Like, are these the people that are going to be in this with me or are these the people that are going to kind of like skip over this, I don't blame them because sometimes life can get really hard. Um, We actually had a conversation earlier and this episode is about to come out in a few weeks, but I think it would already be published by the time this episode comes out with this woman named Kelly Needham. She is an author and writes a book called Friendish and it is the, I mean, most insightful book about friendship because I don't feel like there's a ton out there about it, about what friendship should look like and what happens in these seasons like you guys are walking through now and have walked through before. So I kind of just want to almost just put a, I don't know, storytelling type twist on what your friendship has looked like. Ask the hard questions because I think we all have friends that are going through something hard or are going through something hard ourselves Then we need friends. So this is, I think you guys are the right people to have this conversation Mm -hmm. with. I'm honored. That was a big yeah. introduction. <laughs> no, really, truly. You're honored. I agree. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, so Aaron. Yeah, we do. We know each other a little bit already because you are BFFs with my sister-in-law. What are the odds? So true. Small world. Lauren, we love you. And your husband was like my other little brother. And I right. loved him. He was my own. <laughs> Weird, right? Like it's the so smallest of the worlds. Wow. How can you not love Thomas, though? I'll say that. Right. Um, I, I love you, too, though. Oh, we love you back. <laughs> so you recently have gone through tons of fun transition in your life with adding Bowen to the family and lots of different exciting things. But Liz was telling me, and I think that we maybe have talked about this briefly like in passing, but... That season of your life, which I feel like a lot of women look forward to and are super pumped about, um, would just looked a lot different than maybe you had originally imagined. For sure. So, um, and just know that I've never really talked about this outside of my close people. Now, I do shout it from the rooftop, you know, gotten it all down. But yes, so Brad and I, Brad is my sweet husband, and we planned to... um, have Bowen and we were prepared and everything and excited for his arrival. Um, I had the easiest pregnancy probably out of anyone I've ever heard of. It was amazing. It was an adventure like and fun. Um, Super excited to have him delivered. Like we were great. And then um, I had an emergency C-section out of the blue and brought my little boy home and things just went dark. Um, and I, the first week having him, I could not sleep. I could not eat, could not concentrate, focus, anything. And all I did was cry, like constantly cry. And, um, you know, you go to the doctors and you're saying, something's not right. You know, (laughs) like I've got this beautiful baby. He's healthy. Um, and I know I'm supposed to be tired and I know it's not easy, but I'm crying all the time. And the first thing that they tell you is like, Oh, it's the baby blues. Like Mm -hmm. everybody goes through this the last two weeks and you'll be fine. 
Um, I heard that probably about 10 times. Um, but I knew within that first week, I knew it was not the baby blues and something was terribly wrong. Um, and that if anyone was going to listen, I was going to have to scream it basically because it wasn't just, it just wasn't getting through. Cause to everyone else, I was doing a lot better, I think, than what I really was doing inside. Um, so I ended up being diagnosed at around four weeks um, with pretty severe postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, never thought that that would happen to me for sure. I didn't know what to do about it, but it was almost a relief when my doctor was like, no, this is, you're right. We're listening to you now. This is the deal. And we need to get you some real help. Um, And I will give kudos to my OBGYN because she saw that she was in over her head with um, my case and the medicines that they were trying weren't working. So she did send me to a psychiatrist. Um, Also, never thought in my life I would see a psychiatrist at that point in time, I judged it in my mind. And now I am their biggest advocate ever. Right. <laughs> um, so, yes, we uh, went on this spiral of darkness. And um, it took about a good nine months for me to get regulated and to find little bits of my, like, parts of myself again. Um but in those dark days, I questioned everything mm-hmm. and I don't feel like what, so what I kept hearing was that I I heard a lot of stories about other moms going through the same thing, but that they never said anything. And um, I couldn't fathom that because I wanted, mm. I wanted help. Like I knew it was wrong and I knew it was terrible <laughs> Honestly, I thought it was how I was going to go out. Like, (laughs) something is wrong. And I couldn't fathom, like, just not saying anything. And, like, I couldn't live like that. I wasn't functioning. Um, So, it's crazy, though, how many people actually experience this. And it doesn't, there's, like, no light given to the situation. I do have a question with all this. Liz, did you, were you a part of that? Erin, did you kind of let people in on the process or at what point did you say like, oh gosh, I got to tell my friends, I need some support? Yeah. So it's interesting. We were just talking about this before we gave you a call is that I, so (laughs) when Erin went into labor, I was away on a work trip and I got extremely sick and I was hysterical. Like literally I FaceTimed her from the (laughs) airport because I knew I wasn't going to be able to see Bo like for a week, because I was running a fever and all of this. And so finally, it was like a week later, I got to go and meet Bo and see Aaron in person. I was germ free. And here's this, my best friend is not with me. Like, I don't know who this woman is. Yeah, so you could tell something was up. Yeah, she is beautiful, but she is not here. She is not present. She is a shell. And I like Bo was cutest. I mean, golly, cutest thing ever, sweetest could be. And I remember I got home and I was parked in my carport and I called my mom and I just cried. And I just remember saying, I don't know what to do because I love this woman. And this is not like, what do I do? What do I say? Like, 
what do I like, what do I need to do? And she said, you need to hang up the phone and you need to call her husband and you need to make sure he knows you see something happening. He knows. And my yeah. mom was an ER nurse, yeah. so she's kind of attuned to these things. And so, um, so I called Brad and I said, I love you and I have to say this and I hope I'm not overstepping, but that's not my best friend <laughs> that's in the house with you. And um, he, luckily he said, I'm well aware, <laughs> which is funny now, but it wasn't in the moment, <laughs> but at least he saw, and I felt right. like a breath of relief that it wasn't just me, you know, that he was going through this. And mm-hmm. um, I think Erin was sharing a little bit and I don't want to jump on her story, but that she kind of shut off friendships and yes, outside world to take care of herself and watching your friend who's supposed to be having the most magical moment of their life, just struggling and hurting broke my heart like no other. Mm -hmm. And so I just forced myself (laughs) into the, I would drop things by like, I would be like, don't even come to the door. Brad said not to bother you. It's like, but it's there and I'll catch you later. (laughs) And I would just send text messages and I'd say, don't respond to this, but just know I'm here. And I just had to do those things because you have like, that's your friend. That's the person that's your other half that's there and needs someone. And I wanted her to see the love and that she was going to get through this. Like this was just a season. Mm -hmm. I believed that. (laughs) And Erin, you didn't feel like that was overbearing, did you? No, no, not at all. She like, I think she just knew I wasn't gonna, I wasn't in any, um, state to just invite anything like I just wanted to push everything away but yeah she knows how to love me like like the best and so I remember eating that food and being like (laughs) dang I'm thankful for Lizzie like (laughs) I'm thankful that she just drops by and she knows how to love me even when I am pushing her away and I could tell like I knew I was doing it and then I was telling her, like, looking back now, I'm like, you realize how unconditional love can be when you do that out of, like, your heart. Like, you you want to do yeah. that. You love each other so much that you, like, you genuinely want to do it. And um, mm-hmm. I'm, like, forever grateful yeah. for that because <laughs> at the time, I just wasn't, I wasn't in tune to anyone and um only wanted to talk about the bad stuff and I knew I didn't want to talk about that with my friends um only wanted to find people and that had you know had this happen to them so that they could tell me exactly what to do and that's not the answer but I thought that that's what was best but she she was there anyway her and Heatherly and um so many other people were they you just they showed up anyway and rallied around me and it makes you really thankful for a village that fights for you. Cause I will say also one of the things that made me like the saddest during this whole thing was people were telling me, you pray it away, pray it away, you know? Um, yeah. And I literally could not pray. I could not put a prayer together Mm-hmm. I could not focus or concentrate on putting, like literally talking to Jesus. I couldn't, and I'd done it all my life and I couldn't do it, but I know they were doing it for me. 
Yeah, they were interceding. Yeah. Yeah. And you just like there's no there's there are no You just have the confidence of someone else having your back when you don't even know how to ask someone to have your yeah, back. Yeah. Absolutely. Know? That's what you need. I feel like I've I've been in both situations. I feel like I've been the friend that is going through a really hard season and really tough grief. And then I have been the friend who is trying to love a friend through their mm-hmm. hard grief. And it's funny to have both perspectives now because when you're the person in the middle of it, it's really, really hard to verbalize, like, I need help. So you do, like, these random, you know, almost acts of rebellion as you cry for help because you're not quite sure how to tell people, like, oh, gosh, please help me. And in that, when someone like Liz was for you comes and does these things, whether they're forceful or not, like they are forward and you need that person for you, it's helpful. Because when someone's almost afraid, and I've been this friend where I have someone going through a hard time, I'm not quite sure how to handle it. I tiptoe my way around it. But then really knowing how they feel, they probably Mm -hmm. feel lonely and they probably feel forgotten about. Because I'm thinking like, well, they haven't asked me to make them dinner. So I don't know if I should or I don't want to overstep. And in reality, they're like, please make me dinner. Like, please have me over because I'm not in the place to invite myself or to ask for help or to invite you even. You know, so it's like this weird tension. But really what it takes is just someone making the first step. And I think the person making the first step needs to be the healthiest and the most wise. And that's probably going to be the friend outside of the grief. So Liz, Mm -hmm. great job. (laughs) <laughs> round of applause <laughs> well it's important like you just have to follow your heart if your heart is telling you that you need to do something for your friend whether it makes sense to your brain or not you just need to do it like yeah there wasn't a question yeah, I mean totally. it took my mom saying I needed to call Brad to like have that initial conversation but there was no doubt I mean I literally wanted to go over to the house and pull you out <laughs> into the sun and say do you feel that you know like yeah. there were other yeah. things I was going to do that were a lot more abrupt but um that I didn't know anything else. I mean, this is the person I love. And she, I would say she would have done the same for me, but she has done the same for me. So in the moment, she would have done the same for me. I was going to say, yeah, it's so interesting because Liz had a moment to love on Aaron and y'all had a moment to love on Heatherly and she and you have had a moment to love on Liz. I mean, it's just like this giving cycle, which is so beautiful and shows what the Big C Church is and should be of a in my loving kindness and in my place of health, like I'm going to help you. And when you are distressed, you know, and I don't know, just giving and like serving each other. I don't know. You just guys are such an amazing example. So with all of that, Liz, tell us a little bit about things that you have recently and are going through. And I kind of want to hear the same from your angle of perspective of ways that you felt loved through it too. Yeah. Let's see if I can do it without crying. <laughs> They're happy tears. But... Hey, you would not be the first to lose it on this podcast. And I can guarantee you, I cry once pretty much every day. <laughs> well, yeah, it's fine. Just happy you tears though, for sure. If they come out, they're happy ones. Um, so exactly. Um, I think Friday, a year ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 33. Um, I woke up one morning and decided I need to do a self breast exam, like check myself. And um, so my, on my mom's side, my grandmother, I never met her. She died of breast cancer. And then my aunt who we were very close with, she babysat us and everything growing up. And she also passed away at a young age of breast cancer. And so breast cancer has been very 
like in my head growing up, I knew I had to do these tests. And I remember even asking my doctors, like, can I get mammograms early in life? Like, it's always just been something I've thought about. And so um, that morning, I did my check in the shower, and I felt a lump. And I immediately I tell Aaron, I tell a lot of people this, but I told Aaron initially, like I felt it and knew in that moment, I was embarking on something I knew it was cancer. Hmm. I felt it it was um, its location, the way it felt, I just was like, this is not good news. <laughs> this is not. But I didn't tell anyone that I felt this lump. I didn't even tell my husband. I didn't even ask him to like feel it. Like, am I crazy? I knew it existed. Um, I called the doctor. He saw me next day um, and he felt it and was ultrasound it and was like, you know, I think it's going to be fine, but let's just do some other things just to be careful knowing your history. And Three days later, I did a mammogram followed by a biopsy, <laughs> and a day and a half later, um, I got the call that my husband and I needed to come into the doctor's office, and he shared with us that I had breast cancer, and I don't even, it's, I knew it, but when you hear it, it's a whole nother place. It's a yeah. whole nother, I'm 33 years old, I don't have kids, I you know, all of these things you start thinking you wanted in your life and you had planned for your life and they feel like they're just hold out from underneath you in like two words, breast cancer, <laughs> you know, like just how something can flip flop. Right. And I sat there and I don't know, it was like this calmness over me. I felt like it was going to be okay. But then you also sit and watch the man you love be told that the person they love is sick. And that's terrifying. That's like my heart broke for him more than it broke for myself. Um, so since then, it's been a year. Um, I have gone through 16 rounds of chemotherapy. <laughs> I have done radiation. I had a bilateral mastectomy. And most recently, I had an ophorectomy, which is removing your tubes and ovaries. And um, with all of that done on July um, ninth, I was given the news that there is no evidence of disease in my body. Praise God. Um, I realized, yeah, praise yeah. that's truly the only words I have. Um, I think what I definitely missed telling my story was that um, I didn't share that we did a PET scan and found out that it was on my pelvic bone. And so I actually so was diagnosed spread. with stage four. Yeah. yeah. So I forgot that part in the story, but it's a big part. <laughs> I was going to get there. You were going to say it for me. Yeah. You see, it's just like you just go through it and you've been through so yeah. much. It's like all the medical terms you just say. Um, but yeah. So on July 9th, it was like best news ever. It's what we fought for. But so it's like been two months to this. Yeah. Day. Yeah. Isn't that not? Yeah, it is. See, like everything in my life that seems to be happening on like these certain days, there's <laughs> anniversaries from and things that keep happening that just, I know things are working in my life and I'm stage four. So I'll always have treatment in my life, no matter what it is. Um, I currently take um, medicine every day um, for my cancer to help keep all the bad cells away so that it doesn't regrow in my body. And then um Additionally, every three weeks I go, I'm HER2 positive. So I go and do some infusions that are targeted therapies every three weeks. And I'll do 18 treatments of that. And I'm, I just finished. That's what Aaron and I went on a road trip last Friday and did. So I just finished number wow. five. <laughs> so, Wow. Yeah. Okay. So with all of this going on now, <laughs> I don't know. It just is so crazy to think that tables have kind of turned a little bit. 
Yeah. And now, Aaron, you're acting as the friend caretaker in the situation. And was it, did you feel like from what Liz was able to do for you, you now haven't been able to do for her? Like it's almost an overflow or do you feel like you have to just, you know, it, it looks completely different for Liz and who she is as a person. I'm just interested in that. Um, I mean, I think some parts are the same, but then it is totally different. Um, whereas I handled my situation different, she, it that doesn't apply here, you yeah. know, because with cancer, you have, your village has to be present. Like there is no <laughs> other option and I wasn't gonna, there's no way I could get away from her um, during this process um, because my mind is healthy now. And I'm like, no way, friend. That's not happening. Um, but yeah, when she first told me, I was devastated and um, cried to all of my close people. Um, tried not to cry with her because that's just one of the things I try not to do. <laughs> It happens anyway, but, um, I, but I was telling her it's crazy. Cause like something you just know, you know, when something's going to be okay. I think God gives you that little glimpse of peace and whispers in your heart. Like, I know this is going to be really hard and I know it's going to be tough and surely is a valley before the mountain, but that they're like, we knew like, despite the statistics, because they don't look good. Yeah. Don't Google this. Don't Google (laughs) (laughs) Um, You just, it's the piece beyond understanding. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, Yeah. it was. I, um, when I had to tell Aaron, it was like, truly, I was this like, so scared because all I saw happening was, she was going to pack up her bag. She was going to come live with me like she was going <laughs> to live in college where she brought one bag and a mattress and was going to sleep on my floor and she was going to leave her husband and kid <laughs> behind and she was going to kick my husband out of the house. And I I was going to love that, but I was terrified that my sickness was going to interrupt anyone else's life, especially her okay, yeah. and Heatherly's that like, it's okay. it's okay for this to happen to me and affect me but don't touch the ones I love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny when you're, it's not funny, but when your right. loved ones feel like they felt that 10, 10 times over for me mm-hmm. and that love, I, I don't, not many people get to feel this type of love while they're alive. And that part of this is worth it all. A lot of people don't get to feel this until they're already being buried and put in the ground mm-hmm. And they don't get to see a village come around them. And I have had that times of 100. I've had people, meals. I've had um, lawn care, yard care. Mm-hmm. I go to treatment four hours away from my house where I usually have to stay the night. People have given hotel rooms. I um, Gas cards, driven me there, <laughs> driven me mm-hmm. back. Erin's um, done that. She's sat through chemotherapy. She's watched her friend have to go through something horrific. And not many people get to know that type of love. And for that, I'm thankful and grateful and honored to have these people in my life. I wouldn't want to ever do this without any of them again. Mm -hmm. I've heard this said um, really well. I think it was uh, a burden shared is half a burden and a joy shared is double joy. So it's like if you share something that you're really going through that's difficult for you in a season, it almost cuts it in half. And then when you share something extremely fun and joyful 
and something else you want to celebrate with someone, it's almost doubled. So I think this is kind of what you guys have lived out within this is a, I cannot do this on my own. And I want to know that I'm surrounded and I'm fought for Mm -hmm. on earth, just like I am in heaven and in our kingdom. And so what does this look like tangibly as friends to almost champion one another and be that person when we can't be it for ourselves or when we can't vocalize to be the person that steps in without question or invitation because we don't really need it, you know? And I think this is just beautiful. At this point, I mean, you're only really two months in to, I feel like what feels like a freeing and and healthy place. Do you feel like you're living almost in this place of anxiety? (laughs) And it's like a, a hard and forward question, but I'm just thinking if I were putting myself in your shoes, that would be something that I would want prayer for. You wait for the other shoe to drop at this point, right? Like I um, was just talking about this earlier. It's even the fear of like walking in to the dentist, the anxiety I get to just go to like a regular doctor's appointment. I'm waiting for them to say, you have cancer in your teeth or you have like my eye. I had the worst headache like two weeks ago and my eye started swelling up and I immediately called my oncologist. This is one thing about Duke. Like if you call the answer, I mean, it's amazing. And so I called and I was like, I have this headache in my left side. And immediately my doctor was attuned. You think you have a brain tumor. Like I hear you and you're (laughs) saying that. (laughs) And he does like his 50 point check. And then he throws in this like last part, which made me laugh. (laughs) And that's why he did it. So my husband and I love barbecuing and making our own barbecue sauce. And he was like, did you make a new barbecue sauce and get it in your eye? And he's like, I don't think you have a brain tumor. And I was like, but that's just the state in which I live. And I have to, every morning I have to wake up and make the choice. Am I going to live in that anxiety? Or is this a gift of another day that I get to put my feet on the ground, walk outside, feel the breeze, the sun, all of those things. And how are you going to respond to that? And how are you going to deal with that day? And so I'm choosing that anxiety is not going to live here. It can come in for moments, but at the end of the day, no, you're not welcome yeah, here. That's good. Yeah. And almost speaking that out for each other too. So in this yeah. place now with you supporting each other and then Heatherly being a part of this picture as well and all the things, what do you feel like you would have to say to somebody who is that friend in a really hard season? Um, maybe it could be like an encouragement of a, hey, like communicate your needs or something like that. What would you say to someone who might be listening that is the person going through the hard thing? Don't mean go. Sure. <laughs> yeah, <I'll say> <laughs> so I remember Heatherly came in town and we had breakfast and um, we were talking about how do you find – things to be grateful for and thankful for when you're really going through like the worst season, the worst thing that you could think about happening to your life and wreaking habit. Like, how do you, how do you get out of this? And for me, it's, it's a season and this too shall pass. And this wasn't what I thought my life was going to be, but God is preparing me for something bigger and better. And I have to have faith and trust in that happening But also what it takes each day is find five things that you're grateful for. Like, yes, today was bad, but silver linings, the little things in life, like what did you get to experience joy out of today? And sometimes it was literally like I put my feet on the ground. Like that was the most I find on those chemo days that were so tough. It was that my eyes opened just small things that my pajamas were soft or that the water (laughs) felt cold going. It was just small things. But I think if you 
can put your mind on finding what are those five to 10 things that you can, the silver linings, the little gifts each day, they make each day pass and those become weeks, they become months and you can get to the other side of it. Well, and you're giving yourself a win too. Yeah. It's like not everything is so dark and gruesome. Like, yeah, here's some light. Yeah. Light does wonders, apparently. <laughs> yeah. It does. Yeah. And that's what you don't feel like you're getting right. wins, right? Like right. I when you look back to you and your experience, it was dark and yeah. you couldn't win for anything in a day. Mm-hmm. And if you just took a moment to recognize what your body did in a day, like mm-hmm. holy cow, my body went through that and it's serving me in this way. Be like give thanks to it, mm-hmm. but also say, not tomorrow. Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And Erin, what would you say to someone who is the friend trying to love on a friend in a hard season? Like what are some key nuggets they could take away practically that either you did for Liz or that you did that Liz did for you that you so appreciate? You know, just loving your people. Like I don't love Lizzie any different than I love my family. Like she is family. Heather Lee is family. Um, and you love them all the same. So it's hard to explain, you know, like it's not superficial. Like it is unconditional and you want to dive into what they're doing and you want to be present and you want to show up for them in every way possible and if there's something that you can do that literally could give like an ounce of joy, even a ti- like just the tiniest smile, then it is completely worth it. Um, you don't wait for them to ask for it. You just do it anyway. Even when you don't have extra funds to go and buy a trip or a gift or whatever, you yeah. do little things, you know, like you just constantly keep them on your mind and constantly check in. Um, My bow videos are some of the things yes, you do. Or you make your three and a half year old <laughs> little boys and videos <laughs> that say, I love you, Lizzie. <laughs> um, you just, you love, love hard and because you know that they are your people and you need them. You, both of you need it, you know? It's just as much for me as it is for her um, to know that so good. we're in it together. And God picked us for that. So I think if you feel like you need to do something for a friend, if you yeah. think someone is struggling and needs you, step up and do it because you won't ever regret doing it. Exactly. Right. But I would have regretted if I never called Brad and said, that's not my friend. I want to do something. You know, I would have regretted that. And I think that that's what I could say. If you think someone needs something, don't Mm -hmm. sit back and say someone else will do that for them or someone else will take care of it. Go do it and do it for them because you won't ever regret that part. So good. I feel like I say this in every other episode, but it's just so true is that if we are all different parts of the body of Christ, right? Like you might be the thumb that we need or like I might be, you know, whatever it looks like, a limb. And if, if I don't move my specific part of the body, then another part of the body doesn't get what it needs. So whether that's like food or to walk or just blood movement, whatever. And so if we aren't obedient and if we're not acting on what we feel like the Holy Spirit is 
calling us to do in that very moment, then who knows? Another another part of the body of Christ could be in lack because of our lack of obedience. And that is hard for me to think of and and even think that if it's not going to be us, God will find someone different. But gosh, what a blessing mm-hmm. would it be if it got to be us and we got to be that gift for someone. And so I'm with you. I'm like, totally follow those promptings from the spirit. Like, so important. And yeah, who knows where anyone would yeah. be had they not, you know? I'd rather so. know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so weird even switching gears because this is so good. And I feel like I should be taking notes about all of this because I am a friend in one of these situations right now. But just because I'm curious, and I'm sure everyone else is too, we love ending the show this way. What is something that you are loving these days? What are you reading or listening to or cooking or something that you think everyone (laughs) should know? You want me to go? Yeah. Okay. I'll go after you. Okay. Well, jump in on mine too if you want to. All right. (laughs) So for me, reading books right now of people going through journeys in which I'm in right now um, has been big for me for whatever reason, just that connection. So um, this book called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved by Kate Bowler. She's a professor at Duke Divinity School, and she was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And it is raw and real. <laughs> like she doesn't hold back and she tells exactly how she felt. I think the best like part of it is at the end, she <laughs> made me laugh. It's like, 20 things not to say to a cancer patient. And I'm like, yes, everyone just <laughs> yes. not to say, like, don't start with like my friend of a friend died of cancer. And you're like, awesome. Thanks. This feels yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so books like that, I will say I, um, podcasts are a big thing for me. I love how I built this with Guy Raz. It's like a Ted talks on how companies are built. Um, doing marketing and that being my brain and what I love doing. I listen to those all the time. And then armchair expert with Dax Shepard is a good one that I'm listening to right now too. So um, that's what I got. I do love going to see movies with Bo and Mm -hmm. Aaron though. We just saw Toy Story 4 together a little while ago. Oh, I loved that one. And Little Bo Peep is named Bo. Like they keep calling her him Bo or her Bo, and Bo just like looks up and he's like, "They're saying my name during this movie," so it's cute. Yeah. Um, Oh, I love that. I I will say I don't I don't read a lot. Okay, (laughs) but. (laughs) <laughs> you mean you don't have quiet time with a three and a half year old right i don't i don't realize um, yeah the book that i am or have been reading for quite some time is uninvited by lisa turkirst i think it's yes um and love i love book. it because it just helping you find your place and um you know even when you don't feel like it's right but um so that's literally I re- I read that and I journal on my own. Um, mm-hmm. But my biggest thing currently is I take time, uh, and I've set a priority on doing my old love of CrossFit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I use it just for um, some self care in the mornings. I drop Bowen off and I go and I put on my music and I sweat, mm-hmm. and that's um, basically how what I'm using for reading and listening um 
And then I go on runs when I want to have my quiet time that way also. And I put on my worship music and I just go run and look at the sky and how beautiful it is. But um, also chasing a three and a half year old around. Or actually he's chasing <laughs> Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say, which one? Really, let's be honest here. Okay, there is a book. I rarely ever talk about my favorite things because I'm like, this is y'all show. But... Based off of what we've talked about, there is this book called Every Moment Holy by Douglas McKelvey. I think is how you say his name. It is amazing. It's basically a book of liturgies. And when I say that, like, it's not as intense as it sounds. But he basically writes prayers for every different part of a mundane. I don't know how to describe it. It's for every single mundane part of our day. So there's like a liturgy or a prayer for... Um, when you have your morning coffee and then there's one for when you're changing diapers or something like that. And it's like when you get bad news or when you're about to go shopping or something like that, it's just so cool to kind of sit down and read it and almost just use the prayer as your own and declare over your own life. So, but there is one for loving a friend through hard times or when you get bad news or on the anniversary of a loss. So it's just pretty neat. And I think it's super timely that my friend Liz would tell me about this book just this morning. And then we hop on this conversation and we were talking about like, what do you do when you lose the words for something or you don't even know how to pray or where to start? This is one of those perfect moments to pick up a book like this or just a liturgy and almost just read it out loud. And when you don't have the words using someone else's because it works just the same and I think that, yes, that would be a great gift, especially for people that are kind of going through a hard time too. Or just sending them like snapping a picture of the page and sending it to them or something. I'll say, I can't tell you how many people throughout this journey have just done that. Like, I don't even care. It's like an awful photo, like cattywampus and everything of a sheet of paper, but someone just takes a photo and sends it to me and they don't have to say words. Those are the words they're feeling and thinking for me. And that, that's amazing what words can do. No words are scary but um, just find something to send and it uplifts, you know. 100%. Well, ladies, I am honored to have had this conversation with you today and I can just already feel all the good and the fun that it's stirring up in people, just different ideas of creativity and freedom and almost, I don't know, giving someone a kick in the booty to go love their friend better today. So I'm so grateful for you two and your stories and your vulnerability. Thanks. Just Thank you. Tell people to go call their friend and tell them they love yes. them. Yes. <laughs> go give hugs yes. and kisses and love on the people you love. Yes. Go like leave a voice memo yeah. for someone and tell them how much you yep. mean to them. I think that would be. Yeah, so we sweet. should bring back writing letters and yeah. mailing them. That's what. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. We were actually in a small group. Um, uh, Sunday night and our small group leader, we we're just talking about gratefulness and just what gratitude can do for you and your season and all the things. And our exercise was, and he read this off of something else, but sit down and think about that one person who has, or two people who have changed your life for the better. And you wouldn't be the same without them and write them a letter. And you might have to draft it a few times, but write them a thoughtful letter and um, instead of putting it in an envelope and mailing it to them, call them, tell them that you want to set up just some kind of dinner or coffee or happy hour or whatever and meet with them in person and tell them that you have something special for them and read oh it out loud goodness. to them and tell them why you are 
so grateful for them and how precious, right? And his thing was, I, he said, I know a guy who, um, like on his deathbed basically said the best day of his life was when someone did this and told him how grateful they were for him. And I'm like, what? I don't know. Words are so powerful and they can, you know, build up or destroy. And so, yeah, just do something extravagant for a friend today, like writing a letter or just simply telling them how I love much it. you mean to them. Agreed. I'm going to go do it. <laughs> I'm going to go do it now. <laughs> do you not just want to call up your friends and thank them for all the things that they've done for you or what? I'm feeling mighty thankful after this for one, friendship that surrounds me in my hardest and deepest moments, but then two, for a God that's big enough to hang out with me in the midst of all my hurts and hangups. So here is a practical next step for you. If you have a friend that's maybe walked with you through a hard season or is currently walking with you in something really difficult at the moment, I'd encourage you to call them, leave them a voice memo or even a voicemail and tell them how much they mean to you, what they've done in your life, and then take a few minutes to encourage them back. We cannot take for granted these relationships in our life. Who is it that got you to where you are today? Who is it that spoke Jesus and truth and light into you? Go thank that person. If you wanted to access the information and all the things we talked about in today's episode, then head over to show notes at behindtheblisspodcast.com. If today's episode rocked your world and you want to rock ours back, then please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews are super easy, really simple, but really they mean so much to us for a multitude of reasons. One, it gives us an idea of what you're loving and how we can better serve you. Hope you have the best week. See you next time.